This morning, we're going to continue our series in the Minor Prophets, as we've been calling it, Minor Prophets with Major Messages. And we've been studying the Book of the Twelve, or what is also known as the Minor Prophets, the Twelve Minor Prophets listed right at the end of the Old Testament. Those books that sometimes are very challenging for us to read because of the language, the style, and the way it's written, I think sometimes makes it challenging, but also the content. The content is heavy sometimes, and it makes it challenging for us when we read through it. And although they are short messages at the end of the Old Testament, although these prophets have short message, that is not to indicate their importance. Their, their importance is still very much important. And so we're going to continue looking today. As we talked about, the first minor prophet was Hosea. And I have a challenge for you at the end of this is that you can name the minor prophets in order. That's going to be, that's really fun because there's several of them that are very similar and you can get them tongue-tied and twisted up and messed up. But I encourage you, try to get that memorized there. Hosea was the first one we talked about. And Hosea's message was this, God loves you and wants your faithfulness to him. Press on to know him. And last week we talked about Joel. Joel's a great prophet, one who I've really come to appreciate And Joel's message was this, when you don't know where to turn, return to the Lord. And today, we're going to look at another prophet whose name is Amos. And Amos is, I have to say, one of my favorite minor prophets. I've always admired Amos because Amos has a great humility, but yet it still does not shy away from giving the message that the Lord wants to give to the people. And we're going to continue looking at Amos today. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, remind you of something. On August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and he gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. And in his speech, he quoted some words from this prophet we're going to talk about today. And he said these words, we are not satisfied and will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Words directly from the prophet Amos. And I've always been inspired by Martin Luther King, but more lately so I've become inspired by him because really Martin Luther King, if you know his history, if you know his story, he was a theologian. He really was. He took the word of God. He, he understood it. He studied it. He had a seminary degree. He went to, got on, went to Boston to get his Ph.D. But really what I admired about him was he wasn't a theologian who just kind of wrestled through words for the sake of nothing. But he learned to make his theology practical in his life. And this is, I believe, one of the reasons in that famous speech he would include those words from Amos. And so today I want us to look, why, why would Amos put those words in the prophecy that he was going to give to the people? What was it about? And was, what was the context of why he was telling the people until we want to see justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream? Words that have since then been inscribed on many famous uh, buildings to this day. Amos is an interesting prophet because Amos, like many of the others, he doesn't really have a background. He doesn't really have a history other than all of a sudden one day the Lord called him and told him, you've got to speak to my people. And really, Amos, his uh, word, his name means this in Hebrew, which was so appropriate, means to carry a load. 
And that's what Amos did. He was carrying a very heavy message. And Amos was prophesying at the time, at the end of right before the Israelites would be taken into exile. And this is an important time in the history of Israel because this was the time they would be under Babylonian rule for many ages and the kingdom had begun, began, was divided, Israel and Judah, and now Amos is prophesying to both of them. And Amos's words, among other prophets of the time, are like God's kind of last appeal to say, hey guys, get it together. And of course, we know that that wouldn't happen. But Amos's words were nonetheless still very true and he had to call the things out that the Lord put in his heart. So Amos, the interesting thing I've always loved about Amos is that Amos was, he was just a shepherd. And he just took care of sycamore trees. That's what he did. But one day the Lord spoke to him and, and, and gave him the words that go prophesy to my people. And so he went on. But Amos was prophesying in a time. If you like to read the Bible, you can go and you can read uh, the Kings, the Chronicles, and you can see that the end of the time of the history of the Kings, that there was great corruption that had begun to come into the land. Great corruption. Evil was just among the Kings like none other before, and that was ultimately what would lead to the exile. But the prophet was beginning to speak to a people, this is really interesting, that were very wealthy. Israel and Judah, the people, had become very wealthy. And you can read all of this through the prophet. They had great luxuries. The Bible, Bible even says in Amos that some of them had two homes. They had summer homes and winter homes. That you would see that there was this great kind of just wealthy, affluent lifestyle among the people at that time. However, there was a problem that was beginning to come. And God's chief accusations against them were three things. There were injustices, there was immorality, and there was irreverence. Injustices, immorality, and irreverence. And so Amos began to be, prophesy against those things and call it out. Basically, there was immorality among relationships. There was injustices. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Among the poor and the oppressed. And there was irreverence towards the temple of God, the holy place, the place that was supposed to be sacred. There was great irreverence going on. And so, therefore, God would no longer tolerate what has been called the masquerade of devotion. It was all a show. It was all appearance. But it had no meaning. It had no significance. In other words, he wanted them to get real with their faith. He wanted them to actually grab a hold of what it meant to, to practice their faith in a real way. The Bible describes and Amos describes and talks to them and says, you go to the temple, you give your sacrifices, you, you do your free will offerings, you do all of the right things, but it's just a show. It doesn't mean anything. And it doesn't mean anything as we're going to see because what was happening in the land was that, and this is one of really Amos's chief accusation against them from the Lord, was that there was great injustices in the land. What was happening was that these people had great affluent lifestyles. They were wealthy. They were rich. But there was this growing population of poor and oppressed people around them all the time. And they weren't doing anything about it. As a matter of fact, Amos describes them at some point. You just walk right over them. You walk right by them. You step over them to enter into your luxury and lifestyle. In other words, they were a people who had it all but didn't care about others. 
And so Amos's message was ultimately this, and this is what we're going to see today, was seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and live. Live holy, live lovingly, live for the Lord. And so I want to read to you today from Amos chapter 1 as we begin to see the words from the prophet. And the Bible says that the words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, you can see once again, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of King Uzziah and the King Jeroboam two years before the earthquake. And I want you to take note of that word there, earthquake, because in the Old Testament times, earthquake was always kind of equated to God's judgment coming down upon the land. And so when they heard the words two years before the earthquake, they knew judgment was upon them because of their practices and lifestyle. And so then we go in and we read Amos's beginning of the words, and he said this. Kind of picture it in this context. I don't know if you like to read, uh, but there's a great book by Francine Rivers, and she writes about Amos in kind of an expanded context. And she really helped me picture this, that imagine Amos putting a box under his feet, standing up on a corner of a street there in Israel or Judah, and he said these words, The Lord roars from Zion. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds wither and the top of Carmel dries up. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about Joel, who also used similar language, talking about that the Lord roars from Zion. And for you who really like to study the Bible, you'll see that Amos and Joel uh, use very similar language in their writing. But he said, the Lord roars from Zion. Now, when a prophet talked about a lion, that usually meant that something was was coming upon them and they needed to get themselves together, that they needed to turn around and listen. And so when they heard the, the words of the Lord that said the Lord roars, that was a way of trying to get their attention and say, hey, listen up, this is important what you're about to hear in the land. And so we're gonna skip over to Amos chapter five and just kind of read the, uh, the kind of the summary of Amos's message. And in Amos chapter 5 and verse 6, he would say, Seek the Lord and live. And then in verse 14, he says, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate, it may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious through the remnant of Joseph. Amos's message, as we said, was seek the Lord and live, live holy, live lovingly, live for the Lord. And he was calling them away from a masquerade of devotion and to an authentic faith. And this is what I want to talk to you about today a little bit in the context of Amos is authentic faith. And the first thing I want you to see this morning is that authentic faith knows God as both just and merciful. Authentic faith knows God as both just and merciful. And here is that famous verse that Martin Luther King made famous when he said in Amos 5, 24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. 
It was this appeal to the people that was telling them to get away from the practices of taking care of themselves that had become so complacent that they ignored the needs of the people around them and they were all caught up in themselves. They were very almost snobby-like in a sense that they saw those who were poor and oppressed as having nothing to do with them. And so what Amos was telling them was you need to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You see, it's God's justness that allows us to fully comprehend his mercy. We don't like to talk about God as judge because that's difficult for us to kind of appropriate in our context. We like to think of God as loving and kind and merciful, all of which he is. But it is because of God's justness that enables his mercy. It is difficult for us to appropriate scriptures about God's judgment like you read here in Amos. It seems harsh. It seems difficult. It seems different from the loving God we know. However, we need to keep in mind that God is the righteous judge. And it is because of our decision to partake in sin that we are fallen creatures. And so therefore, God has to uphold his righteous standard in our lives. If God did not hand out consequences for immorality, then it would be as if God gave his approval to immorality. Do you see what I mean? If God is going to be just and he's going to be a righteous judge, then he must have a consequence. There must be a consequence to the punishment of sin. And if he was going to approve and just be okay with immorality, then that would be against the very nature of God himself who is without sin and therefore eliminate him from being God. Now think about that. I know I gave you a lot of theology to process there. But God is both just and merciful. And if we are going to believe in the forgiveness of God, then we also must believe and accept in the judgment of God because of sin. You cannot have one without the other. God is both just and merciful. And the big picture is, is that God knew that sin brought in a punishment upon us. So therefore, he immediately made a plan to make his son come into the earth to die for you and I's sins so that we wouldn't have to live a life apart from him because of the punishment we brought upon ourselves. So therefore, he sent his son. You cannot have one without the other. Authentic faith knows God as both just and merciful. And this was what Amos was trying to make the people realize, that if you're going to know God, you have to know that he's a just God. That you have to see that there are people in the land that need your help, that need your assistance. And we as God people have been called to help them in a great way. Which leads us to our next point. Authentic faith compels us to love and to help the oppressed, the poor, and the powerless. You see, the, uh, the injustice in Amos' day was the utter disregard for the oppressed, the poor, and the powerless. And you see, these, these three all have something in common. You see, the widow, the widow has no hu husband. The orphan has no parent. The poor, no power to give them money in public life. Uh, you could go even further to say that the stranger has no friend and the aged who may be without a spouse, money or friends 
We ultimately see how these people were powerless and there was in their society and in our society today. And this would go even deeper into the New Testament when John would make his appeal to the people and say to them, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And he begged them, he said, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions actions and in truth. A lot of times I think it gets asked of our volunteers here at Outreach, why do you do what you do? Why do you serve people? Why do you hand out food? Why do you try to help the community? And it comes from the basis of this scripture here, that if we are going to demonstrate our faith, it's not just in words or speech, it's in action and demonstrating it in truth. That it's we love and help others because God's love compels us, because God so loved us and that love lives in us now. Now we love others just like he loves them as well. This goes into the deeper concept of scripture that says faith without works is what? Dead. It's not alive, right? If you can't make your faith work for you, then it's dead. It's not alive. It doesn't mean anything to you. And this is what had happened to the people of Amos was that they had a faith that they so-called practice. They lived it out in front of the people. They did all of the right things, but they were not taking care of the people. The love of God was not in their hearts. So therefore, God was telling them, your faith is dead. And this was the same accusation, if you would go into Revelation, that the, the, Jesus would say to the church of Laodicea. They said this, Jesus said this about them. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Isn't it amazing that the Lord, he, he loved the churches, but yet he was calling them out and telling them that you've got to a place where you think you don't need a thing. And because of that complacency, it has caused you to think and get in your mind that you don't even need the Lord in your life. God's heart, listen today, is for the oppressed God's heart is for the poor and God's heart is for the powerless. And you can see that over and over again through scriptures. Read Leviticus sometimes. I know that's a big task, but read Leviticus sometimes. Look at how God takes care of those who are, are oppressed and poor and powerless. Look at the ministry of Jesus. It was the love of God working in their hearts, working in the hearts of the early church to take care and meet the needs of their community. We love and help others because God's love is inside of us. And if we don't see our, if we see our brother and sister in need and we don't do anything about it, the Bible says, how can the love of God even dwell inside of you? I don't want that to be me. I, I want to let the love of God be demonstrated through my life. So this is what you get from this is authentic faith compels us to love. It compels you to love. It compels you to do random acts of kindness. You're going through the grocery store and you see somebody struggling to pay for their groceries. Their card's not working. And something inside of you says, you know what? I want to do something about it. And you know what that's called? That's called the love of God compelling you. You see your neighbor is struggling to do something in their yard one day and you think, man, I can't watch them go on like this anymore. They need somebody to come alongside and help them. And you say, I'm going to do that. That's the love of God 
God compelling us to action. The many people that serve here on a weekly basis and say, I just want to help others. It's the love of God compelling us to serve one another. It demonstrates the heart of God in our society today. And this was what Amos was trying to get the people to understand is that God wants to love everybody around you. He doesn't want to overlook anybody. He doesn't want anybody to feel neglected. He wants them to know that he loves them and cares for them so greatly. And so Amos was calling them to an authentic faith, put away those injustices in the land. Next, we see this, is that authentic faith is not surface religion, but spiritual formation. Authentic faith is not surface religion, but spiritual formation. And this was the same message that would be carried throughout Hosea and Joel, and you're going to see even in the later prophets, is that God was calling them away from just the appearances of religion. And as a matter of fact, Amos would prophesy in, in, in chapter 6, he would say, Alas, for those who are at ease in Zion. Alas, for those who are at ease in Zion. In other words, he was telling them, hey, you've become complacent. You've got comfortable. You're just at ease where you're at. Your faith doesn't mean anything to you anymore. It's just something you do, but it doesn't mean anything into you in your heart. And I think in this season that we're in, if there's ever been a year where God has kind of got into the hearts of people to make them say, is your faith real or not? It's definitely been this year. This has been a time for all of us to search our hearts and say, have we become at ease in Zion? Our faith is just something we do, but it's not something that means anything to us. We do the performance of religiosity. We go to church because our parents taught us that's the good thing to do, but it doesn't mean anything to us. And what Amos was doing was trying to call them away from that lifestyle of just practicing religion and actually getting to the place where there was spiritual formation happening in their heart. The amazing thing about the corruption in the land is you can read this encounter in Amos chapter 7 that it was the priest, it was the priest of the temple who came up to Amos after he had been prophesying and speaking to the people and telling them, you need to hear the words of the Lord. The Lord roars from Zion. It was the priest who said, Amos, get out of here. Leave here. Don't come back here anymore. Isn't that amazing that you see the kind of corruption that had happened in Israel and Judah, that it was the, it was the priest of the land who said, we're not able to bear all of your words. In other words, your words are too uncomfortable for us. I, I think that's sometimes what happens to a lot of us when I hear a word that just cuts me to the heart. I think, oh, I don't want to hear that. that that's, that's uncomfortable for me to hear. But that was what Amos was trying to do. And ultimately, it was the priest who said, you need to leave. Go, go, get out of here, Amos. We don't want you here. It showed that what, there, what had happened was that their faith was just on the surface. It just looked good. And this uncovered the irreverence in the land. That the temple ultimately had become the place where injustices were happened. Because it was the poor, oppressed, and the needy that were coming to the temple to try to get their need met. And people were just ignoring them. Walking right by. Pushing them over. Pushing them to the side. And this was what Amos was calling out. And says, this is not only an injustice. This is irreverent towards God. This is a disgrace towards God himself. And so Amos addressed their irreverence in a deeper way. In another famous verse that oftentimes is quoted, that the Bible says that Amos would prophesy to them and say, there's a time coming. Hear me, people. 
Hear me, people in the land, Amos would say. There's a time surely coming, and you're going to be so hungry for the word of the Lord, and you're not going to be able to find it. There's going to be a famine in the land for the word of the Lord. You're going to be listening and wondering, is God going to speak to us? And he's not going to be speaking. And what he was prophesying about was the exile. And that's what happened. They would go into a time of exile, and it would be like silence. It would be quiet. Very few prophets were speaking. And he was telling them, you are going to be seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Their irreverence, their constant pushing away the Lord, their constant pushing God's word back into his face, ultimately led them to the place where they were going to be in a famine for the word of the Lord. They sought recognition. They sought self-satisfaction. They wanted the praise of others. They wanted to be the center in attention. They were caught up in the busyness of religion. They performed their rituals of worship, but their lack of love for those in, in need around them revealed the surface religion that they had inside of them. And so therefore God spoke against them and he said to them, this is the words of the Lord to them, strong words, big, powerful words. He said, I hate, I despise your festivals and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. And even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, animals, I will not look upon them. God was telling them, I don't want your religion. I don't want your activity. I don't want your busyness. I don't want what you can do for me. I want your heart. I want what is coming out of the abundance of your heart. I'm tired of just the routine, the masquerade of religion. It's just the kind of the habit. It's the thing we do, but it did not mean anything to them. And they demonstrated that if your faith doesn't transform you, then it must be a dead faith. For a religion that cannot deliver us from our depraved state is a useless religion. Isn't that the truth? If, if our faith can't get us out of our sinful condition, our depravity as humanity, then what is the point of our faith? And that was what Amos was trying to show them, was that they were the masters of performance. They had the charade all together, but he wanted more than just the charade. He wanted their heart. He wanted their faith to come alive. That faith without works is dead. He was calling them to a faith that moved and compelled them to action. Authentic faith is not a surface religion, but spiritual formation. And I want to encourage us all here today. All of us here this morning, everybody starting with the guy right here this morning, we all need spiritual formation. We need God's word to transform us. We need the moments where we take in God's word and listen, it cuts us to the heart. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. You know what I'm talking about? When you read the truth of God's word sometimes and you think, oh Lord, I don't like that. That means I gotta make some adjustments in my life. But listen, that's what God wants. That's what the Lord so desires is that we might grow up into maturity as we talked about a few weeks ago is that we might develop and grow. When we get into times of prayer and we pray and just feel like the Lord has placed something upon your heart that you need to work out in your life, listen, that's a good thing. You're in the right place. If there's not a little bit of friction in your spiritual formation, then you might have to ask, is there any formation at all? We need that friction. We need that uncomfortable sometimes so that we might grow and develop into spiritual households for God. 
And I want that. I want that in my life. I want to be able to read that. I want that for you, that you would open up God's word and you would say, Lord, I have read this. I can't understand it. And you'd go back and say, but Lord, help me to understand it. And God brings it alive to you. That is something that you cannot manufacture, you cannot produce, but that is an authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit that he so desires for all of us today. And even as John would preach to those people, talking about them that love, that, that love should compel them. He said this, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. In other words, his people, his disciples. And that is what God wants us to see today is to walk in truth, is to develop an authentic faith, not just say, not just do. I think today in our world, we have a lot of nominal Christians, but I think what God is looking for more than ever is authentic people who say, I follow Jesus. I'm not just a Christian in name. I'm Christian because God has changed my heart forevermore. And that is what God is looking for. God is looking for a people who say, I have been compelled to love others. I am not a surface religion. There is spiritual formation happening on the inside. And I know that God is both just and merciful. You want that today? I want that for all of us here today. Musicians are going to come, and I want to leave you with some of final encounter with Amos here today. Amos would promise, would give a word of prophecy, just like all the other times in the scriptures. And if you go back and you read the last few words of Joel, he would prophesy once again in a similar way. But Amos would prophesy to them, and listen, you know, when, when the Lord would prophesy, it's almost like he always put like this little promise on the end of it because it shows God's heart for the people. He didn't want to just cut them off and leave them abandoned. He loved them. That was his people. That was the ones he had spent, listen, hundreds of years working to build a relationship before. He wasn't just trying to cut them off and bring judgment upon their head and leave them abandoned. And that's the image of God that is often so associated with him. But what God wanted was for them to be his people, to be in a place where they were growing and living and dwelling. Remember, it was God who brought them the blessing that they had in that time. And it was their own sinful ways and their own their waywardness that brought that judgment upon them. And so he tells them, Amos prophesies to them that the time is surely coming, says the Lord, when the one who plows shall overtake the one who reaps and the treader of grapes, the one who sows the seed, the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. And I will plant them upon their land and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land that I had given them, says the Lord your God. Amos was warning them about an exile that they would go in, but it was a necessary exile because it would be in that exile that they would discover who their God really is. It was in that exile that they would discover it's Daniel in the lion's den. It's the God of Israel who rescued Daniel. It was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fire, and they would discover it's the God of Israel that rescues them in that season. And as Amos was in this conversation, with the prophet or with the priest, he said these words, which are famous words of Amos also, but are words I want you to think upon as we leave here today. He said this, I am no prophet. Isn't that interesting? I am no prophet. I'm not even a prophet's son, he said. I'm just a shepherd, a dresser of sycamore trees. And the Lord took me from taking care of my flock. And he said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. 
You know what Amos did, just like all of us have to do? We have to answer the call of the Lord to us, that God's beckoning all of us. Come, respond, listen, follow me. It's the invitation to say, even when it's uncomfortable and difficult, I want you to come follow me. Be a voice for my people. Shine brightly for the Lord. And today, I know that even now, the Lord is calling us and asking us, who will follow me? Who will answer my call? Who will trust in me and my work in your heart? Who will take up my mantle and so be diligent steward of the word? Who will practice love compelling them? Who will let justice flow like streams of water and righteousness like a mighty stream? Who will let the love of God compel them and move them and bring them to the place that they so need to be? Will you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your head where you're at this morning? Lord, I thank you for your word today. And God, I know that in these days that we're living in, you're looking for authentic faith. You're not looking for people who can just talk the talk and say good things with their lips but they demonstrate their talk in their words, in their actions, and in truth. And today, Lord, I pray that the love of God might compel us, the love of God might move us. Like, Lord, like you moved Amos to rise up and to call his people and say, just hear the words of the Lord. He loves you. He wants you to come back to him. I pray today, Lord, that you might use us. Use us, Lord. Use us to answer the call to follow you, Lord. Even if it interrupts our lives like it interrupted Amos's life. Lord, use us, Father. God, I don't want to be a surface Christian. I don't want to be a masquerading Christian. Lord, I want to have an authentic faith. A faith that is alive and well. A faith that the Holy Spirit so compels us and moves us. And so, Lord, in this season... I pray that as a church, Lord, that your love might compel us and move us, change us. Lord, as we continue to reach our community, we don't do it just for namesake. We do it because, God, your love compels us. So, Lord, move us today. Call us nearer to you. I pray today, Lord, if there's anyone listening today, and, God, they have become what happens so easy to happen to any of us they've become a surface religion just going through the motions but there's nothing happening in their heart today i pray god that you might revive that faith that you might breathe fresh life into them a renewal that the holy spirit might give them strength to live their faith boldly once again lord god i don't want to just talk i want it to be alive in me so lord today i pray that the love of god might compel us and move us in a mighty way. The choir is going to come. You're here this morning. I just want to invite you this morning. Would you call upon the Lord today? Make things right with Him today. You need to get right with the Lord. You've become like the Laodicean that said, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm stuck where I'm at. 
Lord would say to you, but don't you know you need me in your life? Hear the beckon of the Lord today that says, come to me with all of your heart, your whole heart. Return to me. Seek the Lord and live. Live lovingly. Live before the Lord with all of your heart. Live holy today. As the choir sings this morning, would you pray today? Would you call upon the Lord? Jesus, we need you this morning.